This is War Room Moments, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and most relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. War Room Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Hey, welcome to the War Room, Ashton. Thank you for being here, my friend. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Jason. Always, uh, always a pleasure to do stuff like this. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, awesome. Anytime I can feature another veteran, that's like gold, baby. Um, so, love to feature other veterans on the show as much as possible, especially veteran business owners. Um, that's key for me because if you can buy veteran go buy veteran, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, for sure. Support a, a, a veteran where you can, no doubt about that. So anyway, so why don't you take 30 seconds, Ashton, and just uh, introduce yourself and and just just briefly touch on what your company does and what your superpower is. Sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Ashton Leverick, uh, 21-year veteran of um, first the Coast Guard, then the Air Force 14 combat deployments, also the managing partner of Valkyrie Investment Group, uh, a real estate investment company that we started back in 2018. And we help other people create passive income off of real estate um, through that company. So that's, yeah. I think that's 30 seconds. There you go. Good enough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah. We, we don't get a lot of the investment type businesses on here. So yeah. I, I think you'll really be able to impart some really good nuggets on the audience today that'll that'll be very helpful um for sure but so i i'm curious to know um because it sounds like entrepreneurship's been in your blood for quite a while um did you grow up in that was that something that were your parents entrepreneurs did you grow up in the entrepreneurial jury parents and stuff like yeah. that yeah um yes and no so my mom she wasn't initially an entrepreneur um, she separated from my real dad when I was like eight and then she remarried. She actually worked for Pan Am back in the day. Mm. They got bought out by Delta. So she had a job. We moved a lot. So I was comfortable with moving. I, we got very comfortable being the new kids being, you know, moving like every, I think every two to four years, somewhere around there. But when she remarried to my, my current father, I call him my dad. He raised me. Um, my stepdad essentially, um, he, was either too proud or whatever. I don't know what the deal was, but he hated working for other people. And so he was very entrepreneurial and he, he did really well. Um, you know, there's a lot of struggles that go on with being an entrepreneur. Right. Um, and I won't go into those, but we saw the full gamut of it as kids, both working in the business with him and then just seeing him go through that. Um, so yes, we were part of an entrepreneurial family. Um, so I guess it is in the blood. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did that affect your decisions growing up in that? I mean, as far as, you know, you deciding that, okay, I'm going to do the military thing, or you could have went the entrepreneurial route right away, right? How did yeah, that? So, so yeah. there was an influence there somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> so, my dad had a, he, he grew up, he's, he's a wild dog. He's a wild man. Um, he grew up in South Africa. Mm. He's a child of all the civil wars, all the wars that went down there. Um, he's 
his originally from France, but his mother was a doctor and they were down there um, during all that, during like the Rwanda war and everything. So there was a big influence on my life was listening to all his stories of military action and his adventures down there. And then of course my mom traveling all the time, all her adventures around the country. So that's what pushed me into the military. I wanted to, I wanted to live that life. I wanted to go seek adventure. I wanted to be fearless. I wanted to tackle every obstacle I could and, and, and going to war was the hardest thing I could think of doing. Um, on the entrepreneurial side, you know, my dad tackled that with, yeah, like I said, he did not want to work for anybody else. He refused to work from anybody else. And, um, he was very disciplined. He'd get up at 4 a.m. to make these international calls because he was selling things internationally mm-hmm. um, and finding, and he was always working some angle, doing some new space. I mean, he sold everything from jewelry to, this is going to sound crazy, gallstones. Gall gallstones were being, we have tons of gallstones coming out of America that the Chinese wow. love for whatever reason. And so he <laughs> figured out a shipping company and was shipping these gallstones as they were byproducts of all the cattle we have in the U.S., shipping gallstones to um, China. And he did really well with that. And so, you know, yeah, you learn a lot. And um, I think part of the the discipline was a huge piece that I learned from him, the tenacity to stick with it, you know, because I think that's where most, that's probably where most entrepreneurs go wrong. They're like 90% of entrepreneurs fail in the first year. Like they don't stick with it. Right. We have that. I think they call it that um, uninformed optimism when we get into a business and then as we start getting more and more informed, we get that pessimism, like, this is harder than I thought. I have to do this, this, and this. And I have to, you know, I, it's not coming in unless I turn these dials, you know, I have to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we start to get into that, like, um, it's that emotional roller coaster of, oh my God, this is a lot. I'm not sure if this is what I signed up for. And then we kind of get that shiny object syndrome when we go after something else that we think is going to be better because we have that uninformed optimism about that too, right? Mm-hmm. And then it kind of keeps going like that. But if you were to stick with it, like you would be able to form formulate the, that plan, that system, those processes that makes it repeatable, that makes it successful. And I saw my dad go through that, and I see people do it in the military, and I and I saw it as you know starting as an entrepreneur, and I've been through it. But when you stick it out, man, it, the payout is huge because you get to be your own boss. You get to all of a sudden because that's what matters at the end of the day, right? Your time, not the money. Mm-hmm. We think yeah. it's the money, but it's the time. You know, taking your girl or your daughter skiing on a Monday when everybody else is in school and everybody else is in meetings, like that's priceless. I can't do that anymore. In the military, I couldn't do that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it, uh, yeah. I learned yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's interesting though, like how, you know, I talk to a lot of veterans and, and, you know, myself, my <clears throat> serving myself and my dad was a Vietnam veteran and we have lineage all the way back to the civil war. And thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah. Well, you too, brother. And and the the interesting part about it is like my mom was an entrepreneur. She owned businesses in town. Everything from a clothing store to a restaurant to a the old VHS rental tapes and you know the blockbuster <laughs> model, all that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And and then my dad farmed his whole life, right? So and neither of them wanted to be strapped to a job, right? Right. And, you know, that was really inspiring for me as a kid to kind of watch that, even though I watched them struggle with it, mm-hmm. right? Because I grew up in a small town, but hell, you know what? I didn't know any better. We had the things that at least then, 
I thought we were supposed to have, right? right, right. <laughs> I mean, life was pretty good. Yeah. Even though yeah. my folks were living off $30,000 a year or whatever it was then. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, but they just made it work. Mm-hmm. And, and life was a lot better than I would say most, you know, I mean, we didn't have all the toys and stuff, but, but didn't matter. We, uh, there was no being inside watching cartoons. I remember yeah. distinctly my mom saying when I was a kid, at like 10 in the morning, get outside. I don't want to see you till six. Yeah. <laughs> go, go away. My <laughs> parents were the same. The same. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, like nowadays you, you'd yeah. get, you'd get thrown in jail if you told your kids to go do that today. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody's always so scared. Oh my God, I can't. My kid's going to get kidnapped. Trust me, nobody wants your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely. It's a very small, small part of the planet that are those people. But, but yeah, so I see this like, and it's really connected in the veteran journey of things where you see that that pattern of that and it just goes to show the resiliency of the veteran community and you know most it's not all not every veteran gets out and you know starts a wildly successful business or any of that and it's just like any other thing there's turds in the military too right so it goes across the whole gamut of things and but the majority are really, really good people. And a lot of them get out and they start successful companies because they have the grit to do it. Mm-hmm. You didn't get to give up in combat. There wasn't an option. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you had to keep going. So, so anyway, I just, uh, you know, making that distinction between, you know, a lot of the guests that I speak with, they're not military ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And their struggles were very different than a veteran struggles. It's interesting, the parallel, listening to, well, my struggles were this, and then a veteran struggle was this. Yeah. Two very different things. And I think it's it's not a good or bad thing. I'm not trying to say a, a veteran's better than anybody else. That's not what I'm saying. But, but it's just a different dynamic and learning experience that we go through that prepares us for those heat rounds a little bit better, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, you know, curious to know, like, uh, on that line. So, you know, that kind of inspired you into the military and then to, uh, get into a business later. And now you're really embedded in the investment space, right? Yes. So, Talk to us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, what what led you there? What led you into that space of all things? Well, it's an interesting story. So I was on a hostage rescue mission back in 2016. Uh, two teachers got taken hostage in Kabul. And um, we got called out. I was on the um, task force for that, for the uh, the national task force for that kind of stuff. And so we went out there, uh, we were in country about a week or so. And I, we were sitting, I was sitting under the helicopter, rotors are turning, we're getting ready to spin up. I was talking to the flight medic, he's a 160th flight medic. And he's talking about all this cash flow he has, like how much money he's making. I'm like, how the f- 
you know, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but how the hell are you <laughs> making all this money? He's an E5, you know, and at the time mm-hmm. I was an E7 and I was kind of like, he's E5 in the army and not nothing against E5s, but I know what they're supposed to be making and he shouldn't be having that much free cash flow. And um, so he started talking about his rentals. And apparently every place he moved to, he would buy a new triplex or a fourplex because under under the VA, you can actually use a VA loan to buy a triplex or a quadplex. And he would live in one unit and he would rent the other ones out. And then when he would get stationed somewhere else, he would buy a new one. And so he had 27 rentals or something like that uh, wow. when I met him. Yeah. And, and I was like, that, that's incredible. That is incredible. And so when we got back to base, um, everything's all said and done. I, I sat him down. We were there three weeks, but I sat him down like every every night or so. And I was getting this information like, what? how are you doing this? Well, he gave me all that information. Apparently, it took some time to marinate with me. I wrote it all down, had it all on my phone. 2018 rolls around. My brother loses a bunch of money in his 401k in the stock market. And I'm about a year and a half out from retirement. And he, my brother hits me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm done with this retirement account. So I'm done with the stock market. I just lost 10 grand overnight. You know, that was my whole life's investment into that 401k or this whole year's investment into that 401k. And he's like, I think I'm going to invest in real estate. And it's like, man, I think I remember something about this. And so I brought up my notes on my phone and that's how it started. We were like, let's partner and buy a fourplex. And we did. And we made all the mistakes in the beginning. And the whole idea was we just wanted to make $10,000 a month. So essentially that was 20 properties each cash flowing at $500 a month. That was $10,000 to replace our W-2. And then we wouldn't need another job. We would never need a job, right? And you have a property management company and it's it's all passive income. So you, you sit back and you make decisions. Sure, they call you, hey, we need to replace the water heater. Okay, let's do it. No, let's wait till next month, whatever. Um, but like, it's all pa- passive income, right? So you ha- your time is up to you now. You can spend your time how you like. You get your disability, get your retirement from the military, but then you have passive income from these rentals. And that was the plan. And so that's what we did. We scaled up and then we started bringing in investors because we had good enough deals to bring in other partners and investors. And they started investing in our deals. And Next thing you know, we're doing a 16 unit, then an 84, then a 384 unit apartment complex. And then we're doing Airbnbs. And now we're teaching people how to how to retire off of one to two Airbnbs um, straight out of the military. So you don't need another job. And that's that's it. I mean, it's real estate investing. A lot of people don't understand when I say I'm in real estate, they think I'm a real estate agent or a broker or whatever. No, I just buy rentals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it really is a... I know it's a really lucrative space and, and uh, I, it's funny because, you know, 401ks, all those kind of investment things, right. That's, that, that's not the capitalist way of thinking, right. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, you can argue with me all day. Anybody, I would argue that point all day long, right? That's when you put money in a 401k, it is literally like burning a quarter of it right off the bat. <laughs> and right now, 401ks are just degrading money yeah. right now. Yep. yep. So why put money into things like that? That's just because that's the way we were taught, right? Yep. We were taught that that's the way to do it. And, you know, even the guy that invented the 401k says it's a terrible investment. Yeah. It was a way for people to get, it was a way for companies to get their employees to invest in their own company. Right. That's all. It wasn't yeah. for, it wasn't built for your retirement. Right. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people aren't taught that, but yeah. You're right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was talking to my neighbor just yesterday and uh, 
you know, he's a previous CEO of Oracle years ago. Okay. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, man, Jesus, I took a $30,000 hit in my 401k. And -hmm. I was like, dude, take your money. You'd be better off putting it in a sock drawer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? The funny thing, that's how we started. We Uh took out our money. I took out my money of my, from my Roth and I took out a HELOC home equity line of credit on my home. And that's Mm. how we bought our first rental. And everybody called us crazy. I remember guys I deployed with dodged IEDs with like, um, done crazy stuff with. And he said, that's too risky. A buddy of mine, he's like, don't come crawling to me when you go bankrupt. And I was like, I think it's too risky not to, it's too risky to let somebody else handle your money. Like take care of your money. And, And be the, the custodian of your own wealth, make an investment in yourself, you know, invest in your, your education, invest in your knowledge, invest in your future rather than somebody else's and just hope that they're going to pay you out in the future. That's what you're doing when you invest in the stock market. You're hoping that you're going to get a payout in the future. Same thing with a 401k or Roth IRA, whatever. But if, yeah. imagine if you retired in the middle of COVID when the stock market plunged, when, when retirement funds plunged, man, all of a sudden, all everything you saved has gone down the drain. Like, It'll get built back up, but that was your time to retire. Now you have right. to keep on working for a couple more, five more years, 10 more years, whatever, to get mm-hmm. it back up. Yeah. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense to me. It's a crazy way to live, brother. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And once you know better, you do better, right? Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Well, hopefully you do. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. You know, part of the show here is to you know, share some struggles that you've went mm-hmm. through to help a young, well, hell, maybe not even a young, maybe an old, old, old guy like you and I, that's just getting started. Right. Yeah. You know, help miss a couple arrows in the back on the way. Yeah. You know, what, what were a couple struggles that you could share that, you know, you feel were really important lessons that you learned that you could impart on the audience? Yeah, Absolutely. One of my favorite lessons is you don't have to do it yourself. Um, in the military, you know, I was on many teams. I was, I was always on, I was always on assault teams. I was either a, uh, a medic or a, for a short time, I was a sniper for the team in mm-hmm. the reconnaissance unit. But, you know, you're always on that team. There's specialized jobs. They don't expect everybody to know every single job on the team. They don't ask the medic to go be the breacher then go over and then do interrogations, then go over and t- lead the team, then call in airstrikes. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to do mm-hmm. everything. When we first started out, we thought we had to do everything. And I don't know where I got that mentality thing from. Maybe it's a man's thing where we we think you don't ask for help. And it's not even asking for help. If you, if you're, when you're in the military, once you, you know, work your way through the ranks, you become the team leader. It's all about delegation, right? And if you put a strong enough team together, if you have a strong enough team, delegation is pretty easy. I mean, you're sitting on your hilltop or your desk or whatever, and you're, you're saying, and this is how we do it in our business. We get experts to do the stuff we don't need to, we don't know how to do. And it's not because we can't learn it. It's because they can do it much better. They've been doing it for 10, 20, 30 years, right? Why would I go in there and put up all the new drywall in my rental? If I can hire some guy to do that and then go do more rentals while he's doing that, right? It's, it's, it's about that force multiplier. You have to think in that way. So we leverage the heck out of, we leverage money. Of course, we take loans and, and a lot of people are fearful of taking loans, but when you learn how to leverage properly, it's a force multiplier. When you learn how to leverage other people's skills 
and, and expertise, that's a force multiplier, right? I can have somebody go in there. I can go learn the plumbing over the next year, two years, or I can have somebody else do it. That's been doing it for years and it'll turn out way better. And I won't have to go redo it. And plus it's, they're liable. Now I'm not liable, you know, if they make a mistake, but that's it. So when you talk about like superpowers, the superpower I always talk about is my superpower is putting a team together, like finding the right people and employing them in the proper way so that they can do their best work. Right. And so we can all be successful in the shortest amount of time rather than trying to go figure it out and do it myself. And this goes over the other way too. Like if you were a young entrepreneur or investor or getting into real estate, whatever, um, or your own business, reach out to people that have done it before. Don't go take advice from your aunt that's never been there before. Like, I love that quote, don't take advice from poor people. <laughs> that's it, right? We take advice. We, for some reason, we take advice from people we love and like, even if they've never done what we're trying to do. And mm-hmm. I get it. Like, you want to listen to your mother and your father and stuff. Absolutely. But if they've never built a business, like, maybe go find a mentor, go find somebody else that's done it. In the veteran community, we're, there's a lot of, you know, helping out each other. Um, if yeah. you get into these masterminds, I'm a huge fan of masterminds. You can, you can pay to get in masterminds. You can join Facebook, Facebook groups and ask all the free questions you want. Um, but those are fourth multipliers and just the knowledge base and building your team and building your business, all that stuff. So that's what I would do. You know, if I had to do it all over again, that's where I would start. That was the mistake we made at the beginning and it cost us money. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about debt, right? Yeah. And uh, what I've learned is most people can't delineate between like revolving debt versus strategic debt, right? right. Yeah. They're two very different things. People yeah. think, you know, oh my God, if I take another loan, but if it's a strategic loan backed by an asset, it's not a debt. You've yes. literally erased a debt and then take on another debt to erase another debt. Yeah because it's all strategic and it's all backed by an asset. Now it's not really a debt, (laughs) but people can't seem to really wrap their mind around that because that's not how we're raised to think, right? Mm -hmm. We're raised to think debt is debt. Oh my God, I got to pay that off as soon as possible. Yeah. When really you actually revolving debt's a different story, but, but like strategic debt, you should want as much strategic debt as you can get. Yes. Right. Because then you you're literally erasing other debts to then pull on two more that erase two more. So yeah. it's it's like, you know, it's it's a hard concept for a lot of people to wrap their mind around because we're just not trained that way growing up. Well, we're not yeah. really trained anyway growing up. Most uh schools don't teach all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a takeaway from that too is Jesus, go Google strategic debt. go google that and and just learn about how to to create wealth through creating strategic debt because strategic debt should always be backed by an asset and that's not really a debt so that's a great point to bring up on here and i'm glad you brought that up for sure Um, awesome well you know how do you want people to reach out to you uh, if they want to work with you, I assume you probably got some courseware or something to help people with to start something like that. How do, how do you want people to reach out? Um, yeah, you can find us. I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn. I'm all over social media as well. Always trying to help up, help out other veterans. Um, but you can always check out our website. If you want to learn more about us passively, just kind of see 
I, we've been, we have our own podcast. I've done a bunch, bunch of other podcasts. It's all loca- located on the website. It shows all the properties we own and, and invested in, as well as we have a couple eBooks, free eBooks you can download on there on this stuff. Um, but the, the website is www.valkyriegroup.com and it's spelled V-A-L-K-E-R-E group.com. And um, you'll see me and my family and me and my brother and his family on right on the front there. We're a family owned veteran operated business. Um, and so that's who we work with mostly. But um, you can learn from us or you can invest with us as we do everything else, you know, do these projects. Um, and then we have a ton of free educational stuff as well. So happy to help people. I'm on LinkedIn as well. You can just look up Ashton Leverick, last name spelled L-E-V-A-R-E-K. But um, yeah, happy to talk. Always happy to, to share. I think that's one of the ways we grow is by helping each other out. So yeah, it's good stuff. Hey, if we don't band together (laughs) (laughs) at some point, right. We should, Mm -hmm. uh, I've always said if, if you took 10 businesses, right. That were good at their 10 things and you put them together under a holding company, right. And you had them all do their areas of expertise combined and joined. Right. Yeah. Dude, would that not be powerful? Holy crap. I mean, and nobody said, well, I need I need you to pay me this so I can do my part. Nobody pays anybody to do their part, and they all push to the common goal. Man, if I could figure out how to put that model together, I could crush it. <laughs> Look up uh, Cody Sanchez. She does that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? She, she teaches people how to buy businesses, and then she'll... Mm-hmm. She'll show you how, because that's another thing you can do. You can just like we buy real estate, you can buy a business and be a passive owner. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she'll show you how to buy multiple businesses, put them together, and then her exit strategy is typically to sell it off as one giant business, yeah, um, which is ends up ten xing the value of the the businesses. But yeah, absolutely, I think it's a great model. Creates conglomerates, then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Awesome. Well, hey. uh, uh, kind of the the final million dollar question is, uh, you know, if you could have invited anybody on the show today, uh, dead or alive, any point of time, doesn't matter. Who would have you loved to have, have on the show and why? Uh, great question. So I think I would have loved to talk to me at 21. So, I, you know, yeah, 21 <laughs> years old, rearing to go, um, just ready to tackle the world. And you know, I did not get into finance. I did not get into business until I was 38. Imagine mm-hmm. if I had bought property at 21. You know, I'm 43 now. That's you know, mm-hmm. the best yeah. time to invest is 20 years ago. The second best Early. time is right now, right? Yeah. So I think that's who I would love to listen to me now. And then yeah. the guy I would like to listen to is me in 20 years. vice versa right right yeah exactly yeah (laughs) Um, oh man that's awesome well hey uh thanks for being on the show ashton really appreciate you being here um i'm aware that we all have the same 168 a week and thanks for stopping by and spending 31 with me today absolutely appreciate that i never thought of it like that thank you Well, it's the truth. Everything we do is a time investment and time is the most important thing we have. Absolutely. Yeah. So cheers, brother. Thank you, sir. 
Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode. We'll be right back. 